Remote work has long moved beyond simply being a trend or a lifestyle. It's a natural evolution in the way we work and collaborate, a complete and vital redesign with profound positive impact for businesses, teams, and society as a whole. With it comes a work culture revolution that requires putting freedom, trust, and conscious behavior at the core of every business who wants to thrive. I'm Sarah Regalhuth, your host, and I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and expert in growing happy, high-performing remote teams. Since 2014, I've been running all my businesses remotely, and that has deeply changed who I am as a leader. I've gone from micromanaging an unhappy team, suffering high turnover and working long hours, to moving to the US, traveling roughly six months a year, and loving the shit out of my team and being constantly amazed as to what we're achieving. Join me as I dive into conversations about remote work magic, conscious culture, and the future of work with some of the most inspiring founders and leaders in the remote work space. Insights, tips, success, and failure, innovation, we share it all. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Conscious Culture. My guest today is Sondre Rusk, who is a Norwegian entrepreneur living in the San Francisco area and working on a really exciting project, something that I'm incredibly invested in and something that's uh, very complementary to what we do. In fact, we've just partnered with his company, Safety Wing, for their, with their remote health product. Um, so we will now be offering health insurance, global health insurance to all of our remote professionals, which is super exciting, something that you know I've always wanted to be able to do, but it just hasn't been available to us in the past. And ironically, I started working on this about a month and a half, a month and a half ago. And I started thinking like, maybe we're going to have to create this ourselves. And within the week after I was having these brainstorming downloads, kind of ideas for what we might one day be able to create, I was contacted by one of, one of Sandra's team um, and heard about the remote health product. So I'm super grateful to you and what you're building and what you're working on because it's solving a big problem that we have and something that we wanted to do. So I'm really grateful to have you on the show. And, and um, I'd love to throw to you and just hear about the journey of founding Remote Health and you know a little bit more about the product and about your vision for where you're taking your company. Yes, uh, thank you. So it's, it's uh, great to be here, and uh, um, I'm extremely excited to be to be partnering with you guys and uh, kind of pioneering uh, this idea that uh, mm. remote, uh, you know, employees that work in a distributed way also can have uh, the same social safety net that, that other people rely on. So um, very excited to see how that will go. Uh, yes. So the story behind Safety Wing. Well, uh, I mentioned I'm from Norway and I worked in Norway as a policy advisor for the government, actually, uh, on uh, social policy. Uh, I was a bit frustrated with how slow things go in government. It's a big organization. And I uh, left that to start my previous company, Superstar, which was teams of designers doing projects for companies. Uh, uh, online freelancers have, they, they often can't access their local social safety net because they're not regular full-time employees to a local company. And they also have very variable income. So they're really in the wild west. Uh, and, uh, you know, this came up as a problem uh, on the sort of internal questionnaires. And uh, then we went to, to get it. 
I kind of had this moment you have, which like, huh, this is a problem. And then I went out to, to, to get it. But at that point, nobody offered it. And for a year, I, uh, and this is then back in uh, 2016, I, I went around um, to get other people to start this company because I was, of course, busy doing build this. Uh, it's already kind of overdue, but in the future, it's going to be absolutely critical and will be your first customer. Um, and But uh, nobody wanted to do it. And you know, now that I've done it, I, ca- I can understand why it's very difficult. Um, yeah. And, and uh, but in the end, nobody <laughs> wants to. So we decided uh, we have to do this ourselves. And that was the genesis. Mm. I love that story. And I think any entrepreneurs listening can probably relate to some degree or another um, what it's like to, you know, have all of these ideas and a lot of these ideas are essentially born from things that we want for ourselves, problems that we have in our companies or in the world that we think are worth solving, but we don't always have the energy or bandwidth to do them ourselves. Um, mm. So I, I've always got ideas that I'm shopping around to people, hoping that someone will will do them. And ultimately, sometimes we have to do them ourselves. And it's a very similar founding story to Grow My Team, where um, I wanted a you know high end sourcing headhunting company to help me grow my remote team. Um, in my financial planning business, but I couldn't find mm. anything. I could find these BPOs and, you know, outsource work and things like that, but it's not what I wanted. I wanted to find premium talent, um, experienced, skilled professionals all over the world. Um, and so, yeah, we ended up starting Grow My Team as a bit of a side project for a couple of years. And people who are listening mostly know that I went in full-time as CEO in 2009, January, uh, sorry, 2019, January. And, um, after I'd sold my other companies. So yes, definitely can relate. And I'm sure many of our listeners can. Um, so I love, you know, the the problem that you're tackling, this global safety net for people who um, either maybe live in one location, but work over the years for companies in different locations, or they themselves move around a lot. And it's a problem I've faced. I mean, I live since I was 18, I've been traveling a lot, living in different countries. Mm. Um, I've been several years without official home or residence, which is very difficult um, when you don't have a technical residence. Um, everything we do in society wants to know where you live and what is your phone number. Yeah. And, you know, Um, everything is kind of built around these kind of structures. And then when it comes to saving, investing, insurance, um, all of those kinds of things, Mm. it's just very difficult as someone who doesn't necessarily live in one place or might move around from place to place. So even this morning, I was trying to look for... um, car driver's insurance um, because I travel a lot and I rent cars a lot. I don't actually own a car. I just rent them um, from wherever, wherever I am in the world. If I need a car, I rent it. And I'm just looking for like a global uh, 24-7 insurance policy that will cover me driving cars wherever I am in the world. It's just, you know, these, these problems are becoming less unique and more common as the world 
um, opens up and becomes more accessible. Obviously, we're not living in a very open up time right now because of the pandemic. However, mm. you know, the, where we are in, in history is we travel on planes and live in different parts of the world and freedom to move is a lot a lot more usually. And um, so I think there's a lot of problems. I'd love to hear a little bit about where where you're taking the company, like what you see for the future beyond just the um, global health insurance that you have now, which is an exceptional product. But I know that you have a vision to create more than just that. Yes. Um, no, and uh, I, I love several things you said there and uh, and share your view about what kind of world we're currently living in and, and going towards, hopefully. Um, and uh, yeah, so our um, we ourselves are digital nomads, kind of the, the, the founders of the company, meaning that we kind of worked remotely and, and uh, have the flexibility to move around. And um, that uh, is kind of like a step down from being able to have a remote job is that you can work from wherever. Um, and a lot of people now are kind of taking their first step into working remotely. And I know what it's like to be them, which is that a few months later, they start to realize that, wait, I don't have to live here because a lot of people live where they live because it's close to their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and that opens up sort of the frontier of, of the whole world and, uh, and, and the freedom to work wherever you want also means the freedom to move uh, wherever you want or, or, or to move several times. Uh, if we kind of look the layer beneath that, uh, I would say uh, that we kind of model the internet as, in a way, the internet is like its own city. And... Um, where the world used to be this very sort of geographically spread out place. Uh, we are talking here now. You happen to be in Colorado, not that far away, uh, but you could have been in Australia and I wouldn't have known the difference. And everyone kind of knows what that is like now, where the geographical distance of who you work with and talk with and interact with is mostly gone. There is still some time zones, but, but it's mostly gone. And, uh, and that is creating uh, this new uh, world, essentially, uh, which is the internet. Uh, and uh, we, uh, when we move to the internet, a lot of infrastructure doesn't work anymore. Um, and uh, and uh, so our analysis is that internet citizens needs the same kind of infrastructure that you know, normal people do. And a social safety net is just one of the most important ones. But I, we actually think that there's a lot more that needs to be built. And what you're doing with Grow My Team is another one of them. Uh, and we need to kind of rebuild all this infrastructure uh, for the new world that we're already entering into. You know, there are 4.7 billion people online and more and more people are getting uh, remote jobs. Um, so so that's kind of the, the backdrop. And we see our role in that in in building the social safety net. So the initial idea when we started out was Norway has a pretty good social safety net. Uh, it includes things like health, income protection, like unemployment, uh, retirement, and other things. So we kind of want to recreate all of those, but globally as a product for internet citizens. 
uh, <laughs> that's kind of roughly the the product vision. And we succeed when we have done all of that, when we have taken each of these and reimagined them in a way that works globally. I love it. And something that I was thinking about when I first started, you know, imagining that maybe I was going to have to build this myself was even rethinking what these benefits are that we actually want and need. Um, When I was initially brainstorming it, I thought about the fact that, you know, if I ask an American citizen what they would expect and want in terms of benefits, they would probably list off to me the benefits that are common in the United States. Mm -hmm. If I asked an Australian, they would list to me the benefits that are common in Australia, Norway, Philippines, wherever, South Africa. And, And I thought to myself as well, like, we also need to be asking the bigger question of like, what are the benefits that we don't even know that we need or that we're yeah. not even sure of because we all have these conditions um, and conditioning that's based on the place that we spent the most time that we were raised. So in Australia, most people get four weeks a year of annual leave, for example, um, whereas in the United States, it's two weeks. So there would be two different answers probably coming. And then I think about the fact that when we work remotely, mm. all of a sudden, the need for annual leave shifts, the need for vacation leave shifts because you don't necessarily need to, you may want to have some time completely away from work, um, but you also may not need to because you can travel all year round and just do your work. So your entire Mm. lifestyle changes. So does the two weeks or four weeks a year even make sense anymore or is needed? The same with um, sick leave in Australia, we I think the law is two weeks of um, leave for when you're unwell. Mm. Um, but then you know it, you all I, I saw it because when I had an office and a physical location back early I guess 2010 to 2015, mm. most of my team took most of their sick leave and annual leave every every year. And then the year we went remote, which was 2015, 16, 17, we kind of transitioned literally the leave that was taken was reduced to nil. Like people didn't really take leave anymore because they now worked from home. So if they were unwell, um, I would still encourage them to rest and stuff, but they might wake up and do a couple of hours work and then rest or whatever. So it just changes the entire um, game for what we actually Mm. need. Um, But things like protecting us protecting our income for periods of unemployment or if we're unwell and unable to work um, and saving for retirement. um, Those kinds of things might still be required and the insurance products, absolutely. Retirement, I also think potentially looks different um, as we move to the new world and the new era. Like what is it actually? And as we see millennials and the next generation, the way that we work and the way that we want to work is on projects that... Um, we're very passionate about, very engaged in, all of a sudden, it doesn't even feel like work anymore. And we don't operate in the same way as previous generations where it was like, I turn up, I work, I get a paycheck, and then I live outside of that. My life is... I just work to live. Whereas I think we see as the world opens up with all these different opportunities and possibilities, Mm. um, people really like to merge their work and life and just enjoy the things that they're working on. So then what is retirement? Is it the same as what it was 20 years ago? So do we need retirement savings in the same way? Maybe, maybe not. I just think it's really important to question all of these, everything that has Mm. previously existed and and see what is actually required in the new world. I love... um, 
what one thing that really was exciting to me was when I watched uh, one of the presentations that you gave, and I can't remember right now what the conference was, but it was around this idea of like an internet country, and you were just referencing then inter- internet citizens or you know those of us who essentially live on the internet. Mm. Um, I love. I'd love to dive into that a little bit because I always had this idea when I started traveling so much and living much more of a nomadic lifestyle. I thought it's really quite wild that. I, at the time, was still an Australian tax resident and I was um, living almost... I'd probably spent 11 months of the year not in Australia and maybe two to four weeks a year visiting friends and doing whatever, yet all my tax was getting paid in Australia and... um, you know, benefiting the local Australian, um, everything that tax tax dollars go for in Australia. And I thought about what if I could become like a citizen of the world where my tax would literally get a portion to the countries that I spent time in. So if I spent five days in India, they'd get like a tiny bit of my tax dollars. Um, And in return for that tax being distributed like that, um, I would have access to some form of either the local social security benefit structure while I was there, if I was unwell or whatever it might be, or there would be this global um, concept, which seems more like what you're building. But I always thought that was just such a wild concept and pipe dream. And I remember talking to people about it sometimes and then just going, okay, Sarah, (laughs) that's never going to (laughs) happen. But then I heard you talking about this idea of an internet citizenship or an internet country. And I was like, oh, wow, there's more people thinking about this than just me. So I'd love to hear your ideas on it. You talked about how it might look. Um, yeah, let's dive into that and what you, where you see that, that side of the world going. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. And uh, um, so to, to just kind of start with uh, the big pieces, so you mentioned both retirement sick leave and, and I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Both These things have to be reimagined. So they have to be global, they have to be simple, but they also need to work differently. And, and like you said, and as we, you know, take each of those things into account, uh, um, then we we have to make it work for the the, the next generation. So, uh, um, so to, but to take that on to the country on the internet, yes, it is. When we first started out, it was kind of like our secret mission. So, <laughs> I mean, our 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 our, our near term mission is to make each of these products great products, like make a great health product, make a great retirement product. Um, but uh, we had this thing kind of in, in the back and it's it's not, and we, we have also been, you know, open about it. But uh, the idea is when we have completed a global social safety net, perhaps we are a country on the internet. And, um, and uh, a country on the internet we, I think, is has to be built. It's kind of like a global social safety net has to be built by somebody. Uh, a country on the internet also has to be built by by somebody. And why is that? Well, it's because the geographic countries become obsolete. Um, and it's for the reason you mentioned now, like if you can move around to different places, uh, are you getting uh, services from Australia when you're in Denver? You know. Very little, I, I assume, right? Because you can't access those. Um, and uh, similarly, if an Australian has an internet company, kind of maybe it's domiciled in, registered in Australia, maybe in the US, and they hire a remote employee in Argentina, um, which country do they pay tax to? Where do, do they get their services? And 
uh, the answer today is very unclear. Well, well, there's certain nobody's going to get any services, but uh, it's also unclear where they would pay their taxes. It's not obvious. Mm-hmm. And you have all these kinds of issues uh, showing up. And uh, the solution, we think, is that someone has to build a, a country on the internet. And uh, our approach to building um, a country on the internet is to is a friendly manner. Uh, that is uh, also how we were doing our first product. Uh, you, could, you can think of it uh, as sort of two approaches. It's like revolution and evolution. Uh, so many people in the, our, you know, in crypto will kind of go with revolution. They will build something from scratch. And we're more kind of trying to build a portal and kind of drag with us the old world, you know, into the future a little bit, uh, where we're in a sense being cooperative friendly with existing countries making sure that we do things in a in a in a legal way but at the same time recreating something that will actually work in the future um and uh you know the issue of taxation is exactly the right one there because um the countries have the problem too but it's also an opportunity you know for forward leaning countries like recently we saw uh, and we are talking to many of these countries um like Barbados Estonia who are ahead of the curve in making mm-hmm. digital nomad visa. Yes. I've just stepped up announcing this one-year um, visa for people to come and I don't know if it's in place yet. I read an article about it. People can come and live and work there for a year, which mm. is really exciting and um, shows me that there are, as you said, forward-thinking countries who are actually engaged in in this problem. Absolutely. No, there are. Uh, And for the people who are the countries that are move quickly, they have the opportunity to get these like super creative uh, digital nomads to come and, you know, work uh, in their countries. And, you know, it's the best people you can have visiting, you know, usually. Um, And uh, also for internet companies to, to, to register there or move there. So there is this great opportunity for for those who are you know forward leaning, and uh, what a you know a country on the internet uh, promises, um, uh, or or kind of how, how to build a country on the internet. Uh, you know that was probably what I talked about in that talk. Well, uh, we're very used to countries being defined by borders. So a country on the internet won't look exactly like countries like today, and that is I think um, why you know some people might get confused by this concept. Um, but you can imagine when we went from city-states to countries, you know, 400 years ago, countries aren't that old. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the needs of, and, and why did we switch? Well, I would say it's technology is the underlying driver. It was possible. Um, but it, uh, city-states, in a way, city governments still exist. They just have a different role. And that's kind of how I imagine the future will be as well, where the things that doesn't make sense to... Uh, do on a geographic level, but it makes sense to do it globally, they will move to a different entity. They will move to the future country on the internet. And uh, that won't necessarily be defined by a geographical border. I actually don't think it will be. Maybe there will be embassies, but uh, um, but you can ins- imagine instead defining it as a membership. So you have a membership in a country on the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the most important thing it does is to solve shared problem for its citizens, right? So the things we're talking about here about, you know, getting help when you're sick or injured or, you know, knowing that someone will take care of you when you're old or, 
you know, those are shared problems. And, and that's the fundamental thing. Uh, or getting access to, to places, getting, um, having an easy way to pay taxes and contribute, you know, positively to the community you're currently in. You know, these are shared problems that uh, I think that's the fundamental thing a country on the internet has to do is to solve shared problem for its citizens. Um, I do think it has to be global. Uh, that's that's the basis for all the problems we build, global and simple. Um, but in order to work well for remote workers and digital nomads, we need to make it global. Uh, it can't mm. be only work in one part of the world. Um, I also think that, you know, one thing that people don't think about that much with a country is that a country can also be a tribe. And uh, what I think uh, a country on the internet will also inevitably end up being a bit of a global tribe uh, Mm -hmm. that that functions as, you know, the uh, people you can rely on uh, largely. And... um, and then, of course, there are many, you know, issues to be figured out. You mentioned taxes, legal framework that works across territories. There are many kind of of these kind of uh, issues that um, how does an individual that moves around uh, work with, um, you know, doing business, hiring uh, across territories? Well, a country on the internet should probably also find a way to solve that. Um mm. And uh, and perhaps at you know at the end of it, a country on the internet has to make use of software and the and the internet and be because it's it's born, it needs to be born on the internet. I think to be great, and I think this will be the problem for other countries, even forward leaning countries who try to make this stride, is that because they're not born on the internet, they have this legacy technology <laughs> in a sense uh, that is preventing them from being great. And from uh, being uh, being good enough, so uh, a country on the internet, I think, has to be born on the internet, uh, made for continuous improvement, and aim to be you know ten times better than than any existing option. Mm, it's amazing. And what would you say? I mean, Estonia is probably the most in terms of technology and forward thinking action they've taken around this. Um, I don't know of any other countries that are quite at the level they are. Um, but it's pretty amazing from what little I've seen, and I haven't done a lot of research into it, what they've done. Um, and I think you might have referenced them at some point as being like, you know, a, a partner country to this internet country or something like that. Yeah, no, definitely. So I should say we are very good friends and big supporters of uh, the Estonian e-residency program. And yeah. uh, Estonia, you know, if, if if you were to kind of like say a country that is most like a startup, I would say it's it's uh, it's Estonia. It has that very youthful feel to it and uh, bold attitude for some reason. And there are histor- historical reasons for that. Uh, but they are just ahead of the curve on many things uh, mm. and they understand the new world much better than 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 most of the other countries uh, in terms of like how to uh, how, in one day when the kind of citizenship is defined for the country on the internet uh, one way to get be recognized by other countries so <laughs> this is kind of like 
I guess for special interested parties, but it's like, how, how do you become a country? Well, you're recognized by other countries is the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, you need, you need borders and recognized by other countries. I think borders can be replaced by membership, but still need to be recognized. And uh, it's quite complicated if you were to start this from scratch. You know, there are passports which are valid basically nowhere, right? Everyone has mm-hmm. heard of those. And that's frustrating if you're a nomad and your your passport is can't, doesn't give you access to that many places. Um, uh, so if you build from scratch, you have to do a lot of diplomacy work. But there is a, a back door. The back door is to work with a forward-thinking uh, nation, usually a micronation, who can see this new future and already have uh, passports or secondary passports that are recognized and kind of uh, uh, do this, create the, the passport in, in partnership with them. So our hope when we do get to this is that we can arrange like the best of like uh, online identity. There are many kind of projects going on there with uh, a new passport made with one of these, you know, forward-leaning, forward-thinking micronations. Uh, and that is marred. And you get this sort of hybrid of uh, uh, physical and digital identity that you can use to access countries anywhere in the world. And uh, that to me seems like a very realistic and uh, fast way to create this kind of new citizenship. Mm, I agree. I liken it to, I have an APEC card, which is a card astra- uh, available to Australians and other parts of the world where you go through extensive security checks and it just means you can enter a whole bunch of countries um, easier. You can go through the diplomat line at the airport um, or some of them have a specific APEC card line and you often get longer visa periods. So when I go to Indonesia, I get 60 days instead of 30. Um, There are countries that I get I can go to where I would usually need to get a visa that I don't need them. And Mm. I kind of that's the way that I, you know, in the current world and what's available and the experience, I kind of saw that as like what it might look like um, where you have a membership to this internet country and an ID card or a passport or whatever that you would use alongside, you know, for me, my Australian passport or whatever, but it would mean I have access and more free-flowing access to the partner countries or all the countries in the perfect world. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but... I mean, it's in many ways, it's a lot, <laughs> but yes. in other ways, it's also, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I do think we have a chance, as we were talking earlier, to rethink how how things are and how things need to be. And maybe there are things that can be simplified and streamlined in the new world. Mm. Um, yes, I love that idea. And you're absolutely right. Like there are two kind of broad ways and I mentioned the micronation way and the other one are these private uh, offerings fast track is another one there are, there's a, there's a, there are some of them and and they have exactly yeah, done the that the US has some mm-hmm. yeah the US yeah. has some and no that's exactly right there are private ways that what you use passport for and that's exactly right access is the primary thing and if you can make access frictionless and easy um that is the main use case that people use the mm. passport for. Like, when do they find their passport? When they're crossing a border and they want access to that country. Um, and, and you can optimize towards that. But anyway, uh, yeah, to, to, to mention, like, we are, uh, we are uh, uh, 
we see our mission first and foremost as building great social services. And then we want to contribute to the creation of a, a country on the internet. Um, I do think somebody has to build it though. It does seem to me like when I look into the future, I don't see a world like 20 years from now where there isn't something like a country on the internet. So I do think this is inevitably in our future and we just have to make sure we build it in a way that is good. Um, so, um, yeah, that's a little mm. reflection there. Mm, I love it. Well, this has been an incredible discussion. I'm so excited to find more people that are thinking about this kind of, it's, it seems talking with you now, I'm like, Oh, it's so obvious. But when I was the only person in my world that was talking about this thing, right. it felt like such a pipe dream. Um, but we've also been skyrocketed forward in the last you know, four or five months into this kind mm. of future that you saw coming, that I saw coming, that we were trying to operate in. Um, all of a sudden, the rest of the world is like, oh, like I get it now. I understand um, what it's like to be working online, communicating online, really living a lot more online. And I don't think it's the way that people imagined it before where we we're all walking around in some fake internet world, like uh, what's mm. that movie, Ready, Ready Player? Yeah, yeah. One or something, you know. Ready I one. mean, obviously there are games and things like that, but mm. that's not necessarily what it is. It's about the fact that um, technology and being able to us sitting here, you know, where I don't use the video for these podcasts, but we are looking at each other on a video. We're essentially teleporting, and you know, mm. we get to just like have this experience with people from all over the world. We become more connected, and I love the point mm. you made that once we start working remotely like this all of a sudden we see, well, we don't have to live where we think we thought we had to live. Um, and that might mm. not mean moving to another country. It might just mean I get to go live in the mountains. I mean, I live in the mountains outside of a major city because it's mm. beautiful. I get to live in nature and I don't have to have a daily commute and I don't have to do all these things that you know we once thought we had to do because we didn't realize there was another option. Um, mm. So yes, anyway, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for coming on and sharing your ideas and your thoughts and um, a little bit of brainstorming even in there. I really appreciate it. And I'm really excited about what you're working on and what you're contributing so positively to the future. Mm. Well, thanks, thanks, Sarah. And thanks for having me on. And I very uh, much look forward to uh, brainstorming more with you uh, as we go forward uh, since uh, uh, I'm very happy we have a sh shared vision of the future and I, I, uh, I look forward to seeing what, what we can uh, make of it. Oh, me too. It's amazing. Thank you, Sandre. Thank you. Safety Wing is one step closer to creating a global social safety net for remote workers and companies with their new health insurance product, Remote Health. This product offers a fully equipped health insurance plan for remote companies and nomads who need the benefits and safety of their home country's healthcare, no matter where they are in the world. Visit safetywing.com for more information.